Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. guys it's candace and kayla and we are directionally challenged yep we thought we'd have it all figured out by the time we're in our 30s but surprise we don't no we don't that's and okay. that's it is okay we <laughs> tell ourselves that and each other that all the time today we are talking to someone who is fascinating and really interesting and has had just a crazy journey of life we are talking to elliot biznow in 2008, with no event production experience and two college degrees between the four of them, a group of friends embarked on a mission to build a global events company that could change the world. They began cold calling as many inspiring company founders as they could and tried to convince them to attend their very first event. And in the beginning, only 19 people said yes. And since then, Summit has become a global community and produced more than 250 events all over the world, hosting luminaries like Richard. Branson, Jessica Alba, Shonda Rhimes, Brene Brown, and Al Gore. So how does a company go from 19 attendees to 
game changers and change makers amongst their most successful clients. Well, that's what we're here to talk about with today's guest, Elliot Biznow. Elliot Biznow is a co-founder of Summit Group, whose family of organizations include Powder Mountains Summit Series, to mention a few. He is a startup investor, having made almost 50 early stage investments, including Uber, Warby Parker, Allbirds, all the good things. At 20 years old, along with the help of his dad, he started Biznow Media, out of his college dorm room. And over the next decade, they grew the business into the largest commercial real estate media company in the world. It was acquired in 2016 by Wix Group. And as the co-owner of America's largest ski resort, Powder Mountain, Biznow now lives in Eden, Utah with his three-year-old and his lovely wife. He is just a fascinating person. So without further ado, here is our conversation with Elliot Biznow. And we are here with Elliot Biznow. Elliot, thank you so much for joining us today. We are excited to talk to you. You have accomplished so much already by the time you hit your 30s. You bought a mountain range in Utah, convinced Richard Branson and Tim Ferriss to be your next door neighbors, and created one of the most powerful conferences in the world with speakers like, you know, the little known Bill Clinton. Not only have you accomplished what you set out to do in your 20s, but you have helped thousands of others fulfill their own dreams. But before we get into all of that, We have to take you back to your college years where you began dreaming so big that you decided to drop out of college. You had a partial tennis scholarship. You break your wrist. Your girlfriend breaks up with you. You find yourself overcome with anger. Everything's going wrong. And in that moment, you decide to have an epiphany of sorts and drop out of college. Please talk to us about this and how you decided to just be different from everyone else. Okay, well, when I was 13, I was given a book for my birthday called Jonathan Livingston Seagull, which is about this flock of seagulls with 8,000 goals. And in the flock, all the seagulls have to be the same. But this one seagull, Jonathan Livingston Seagull, wants to learn how to fly and go higher and go faster. But you're not allowed to do that. You, You shame the flock of seagulls if you do that. So they expel him from the flock. And this book is about this one seagull's journey to meet all the other outcast seagulls and to, you know, try to fulfill their own dreams. And the book is obviously a metaphor for life where any time we try to do something different or unconventional or, you know, that's perceived risky, everyone tells you why you shouldn't do that. So from when I got that book at 13, I was definitely always wanting to be different and celebrating my differentness. But I, you know, I went to school, I went to the University of Wisconsin, I really loved it. I thought it was very fun, really nice people. I love being in the Midwest. I grew up in Washington, D.C., so it was very different. But, you know, I was, you know, very average at everything. I was average in school. I was average in terms of, you know, having friends. Like I had, you know, a few friends there. And as I, you know, went through my college year, my, my first semester of college, like my grades were okay. And, I I was on the tennis team one day and this this kid who'd been on the team came back after graduating to visit us and I said, "Wow, well how how is it now that you graduated?" And he said, "It's not good. You know, all the fun is over. Uh, you know, just try to extend college as long as possible." And that really stuck with me. Like I thought that wasn't a great thing to hear. I thought like, you know, we really want to be living for the now. But I I was like really trapped. And so I had like my real epiphany breakthrough in my freshman year of college where my resident advisor, like the RA of the dorm, had a screen printing machine in his dorm room. And I asked him what it was for. And he explained that he had a little t-shirt business and he'd taken his life savings. He bought this, you know, $500 screen printing machine and he was selling funny t-shirts. And that was paying 
for his college tuition. He was making a thousand bucks a month. And the reason he was the resident advisor was that paid for his food and housing. And that, I, I literally called my parents. I said, mom, dad, like, this is crazy. Like he said he has his own company. That's impossible. And they said, no, you, you could do that. And so that was, that was kind of my light bulb moment that, wow, like maybe I could start my own company. Cause until that point, I always assumed I would have to get a job somewhere, you know, and, and that I frankly wasn't going to get a great job. Like I didn't go to the best college. I didn't have the best grades. And so it's like kind of in that moment over like a period of weeks following that I realized, you know, wow, maybe I can chart my own vision for my life. What did your parents do? I mean, obviously, they were incredibly supportive of you from day one. I know you have siblings who have also accomplished really great things. So I'm excited to talk with you about as well. But were you inspired, obviously, to start your own business based off of watching your parents, you know, achieve? Do they have their dream jobs is basically what I'm saying? No. And well, they, they were not entrepreneurs. And when I went to high school, um, I never even met an entrepreneur before. I really didn't even know what the word meant. You know, when I would hear about well-known entrepreneurs, it felt very esoteric to me. Like I couldn't fathom how, you know, a famous company had one day started small. And in my high school, you know, parents had, you know, traditional jobs. You know, my parents had been, you know, in politics. My dad worked on Capitol Hill and my mom had been in, you know, government and she had a small nonprofit. So I didn't even know you could start a business. This was completely foreign to me. And I think the first thing that like tugged at my heart was the idea that, you know, you can actually build the thing you want to see in the world. If you love writing, like you can just start writing, like you can start with a blog, you can self publish a book, if you whatever you love, if you love making content, you know, you can create your own YouTube channel, like this idea that just whatever you love, if you love cooking, like, you could, you know, create a a, a line of cookie cook, cookware. You know, you could, you know, start a small restaurant. And until I realized you could create your own thing, I always thought, like, well, if you're you love cooking, you have to somebody has to hire you into their restaurant. You know, if you love content, you have to figure out a way to break into Hollywood. If you and the idea that you could do any of these things, like, if you love writing, I really thought, like you know, how do you get signed to a publisher? Like if you love investing, I literally thought, how do you get a job at a venture capital firm? Like that sounds impossible. But the reality is you can just start investing through AngelList with small amounts of money, right? You can start supporting small organizations through Kickstarter. And like when that, that's kind of what blew my mind open was that any path in the entire world that you want to have, there is an entrepreneurial way to do it very cheaply, very simply and on your own, rather than having to kind of go into the, you know, corporate machine, if you will. Mm -hmm. Okay, you just Nike it, you just do it, right? You just do it. Uh, But how did you decide to start Summit? Because you take the semester off, you move back in your parents' house, and you're building this business with your dad. You have a lot of questions and you realize you don't have any of the business fundamentals that at that time you think you need. So you cold call all of your, I guess, mentors at the time, the guys from Vimeo, Blake from Tom's Shoes. How do you get these guys on the call? And then how do you get them to attend the first Summit series? What I mean, what is that, what is that cold call like? And what is the pitch that you give them? What happened was I was starting my first business and I realized that I didn't know anybody. It would be like if you wanted to write a book and you realize that, you know, the software for actually how you publish 
uh, isn't very good. So you're like, oh, well, I'll start publishing software. Or, you know, you need PR and you realize there's not a good PR firm. So you start your own PR firm, right? And so I had a little business and that I started with my dad. And I realized I actually don't know anything. Like, I don't know how to build the business. I don't know how to find office space. I don't know, you know, how to keep financials. I don't know how to grow revenue. I don't know how to create content. I don't know anything about brand design. Like, I literally don't know anything, right? Like any young person who starts a business. So I thought what I'll do is I will reach out to other young people who started businesses. So the first step is I did not call famous people. Like Blake from Tom Shoes had only given away 10,000 pairs of shoes and I reached him in a warehouse and he had two interns. And like Ricky and Josh from College Fumer, like nobody knew what Vimeo was. So I think, you know, when you call people who are peers, you know, if you have something something of value to share with them, ideas. People who are peers are very receptive. Just like I, I couldn't call someone who was today like levels above me. They're just not going to take my call. Where if you call peers, you can build your own tribe of peers. You can build your own community and then those people will grow with you. Yeah, I, I heard you talk about this. I spent the day with you in my ears yesterday. I was listening to a bunch of your interviews and I uh, was very... I wrote that down multiple times of just the advice of that. It's exactly what you're saying. Call your peers, not your heroes and making sure that those are the people that you're surrounding yourself with, because it's that it's that energy. It's that ability to, you know, spend hours in in that creative thinking time where the people who have already made it and who have already become successful, they're in a whole different position and not really in a position to kind of carry you up and 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 babysit your creative thoughts. But what would strike me about the first summit meetup was the fact that you also brought people in with a free, like a trip. You you brought them to on a ski trip, and that's kind of how you got people together and got a bunch of great thinkers in the same room. Do you think that there was an element of you just kind of know that special sauce? You know, when someone has that extra thing, you know that you knew that Blake was going to be this bigger person. You knew the college humor guys were go- what their future capabilities could be? Or do you feel like there was an element of luck that you just happened to be in this incredible environment and getting all these great thinkers together that just were going to be changing the world pretty soon? I think that we all have the music manager mentality in us uh, in the sense of everyone can relate to listening to an up and coming musician and thinking, wow, that person has something special about them, you know, about their swagger, about their voice, about their lyrics, right? Like we all have that mentality of enjoying discovering people, right? Meeting a young kid and thinking, wow, they're they're really gifted in in their vocabulary. They have a, a smile about them, a je ne sais quoi, a young person who plays sports. And I think it's no different in terms of entrepreneurs when you, you know, meet people and you can just you can have a feeling that, wow, this person, they're really passionate about their idea. Like they don't care at all about the money. They just want to follow this dream or, wow, just the way they talk about it. I can tell this isn't just something they started as a side job, but this is like something they're really trying to 
they're really trying to, you know, make their life. You know, the other thing is it turns out I have a three-year-old that it's just, it's infinitely more difficult raising a kid than it is to start a business. <laughs> and I don't know why people are so intimidated <laughs> to start businesses because like in my business, I could always sleep through the night. I just, that is, was one of my main takeaways having a kid was, wow, this is way harder than than having a business. More people should definitely start businesses because anyone who has had kids is can definitely start a business. <laughs> I think all the moms listening, yeah, they're they're like, okay, I can get down with that. <laughs> I one thing I've heard in all the interviews I listened to about you is that people have talked about your enthusiasm. And maybe that isn't so much since you've had your three-year-old. I don't know. But I feel like people talk about your enthusiasm, how convincing you are. And it seems like you have found that in other individuals and been able to relate to that. But there is something there. It's sort of that like magic. But how do you recharge? Because operating at a really high level of enthusiasm can be exhausting. And then, you know, obviously you mentioned you have a three-year-old too. So operating at that high level is important, but what do you do technically to recharge and kind of reframe your mindset so then you can then go back at it again and start another summit series? Because I think you guys originally, especially in the beginning, started doing them every six months. Well, I definitely try to ask myself every day, why would today not be the best day of my life? And I definitely try to start my day with that question. I would say a lot of my life also is focused on not trying to make the most money or have the most success or have the biggest reach and is focused on having the most fun. Like one of the things I think is like really a, a thing that uh, that messes with people's minds is this Forbes 400 list of successful people, which is just has one metric, which is how rich people are. It's like really sick, actually. I was hoping to be number one on, you know, the Forbes 400 of fun list. <laughs> like, it's really strange, right, that there's these lists that glorify how much money athletes made in a year, how much money celebrities or people in finance made or, or in Hollywood or entrepreneurs or how much they sold their company for, right? Like, you wouldn't, if a teacher left their teaching job after 15 years to take a higher paid job as a lawyer, we wouldn't glorify that, right? And so I think I've also just framed my life around my values. And my values start with like, trying to make every day a really great day, like not packing my schedule all day with work, having space to, you know, attempt to get the rest that I need, having space in the morning to, you know, play with my kid, not just, you know, having calls start as early as possible, having space in the evenings, you know, like, I don't have any social media, period, not even just not on my phone, like, I just don't know what's happening. And I think it's just there's so much in the world, like you have to choose what you're going to consume, what you're going to listen to. And so I've chosen for a long time to try to have space and, you know, to try to not have noise around me. And, you know, it's very hard to recharge again, especially with a kid. This is why having a kid is so much harder than having a business. Like at least with the business, you can go home in the evening. Like, you know, after, you know, we're, we're lucky, you know, we have a, a nanny say in the afternoon, but when our nanny leaves, like, my day with my kids still doesn't end. And it's just on and on. And so it can be really hard to find time. It all starts in for me with a big macro view of my life. And I'll just like a good takeaway is it's much more important how you do things than what you do. Like I could do a lot of different things. Like I would be really happy 
being a chef. These are things I love. I would be really happy being an author, uh, a chef. I would love to farm. Like, There's a lot of things I like, but the most important thing is how you do it, not what you do, because you can do any of those professions and just go nonstop and burn yourself out. Well, but you did go nonstop in your early years. So I think, you know, it's safe to say that you've gotten to a position now where you are able to focus in closer on where you want to put your energy throughout the day. Hey, guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. It's time to get more in 2024. I know for me one of my goals is to feel really strong this year. And honestly, so far so good because that's where 310 Nutrition comes in. It's helping me and our listeners in the new year with protein and super rich food products with so many options and flavors. Right now I have the chocolate bliss and caramel sundae and they are both so (laughs) delicious. I have to hide them from my husband so that he doesn't steal them too. They're a triplex protein blend, plant-based proteins that include pea, brown rice, and pumpkin that leave me feeling full. 310 Nutrition also has a hydrate electrolyte drink mix My favorite is the peach mango flavor. So not only am I hydrating and drinking water, I have an electrolyte blend, vitamin blend, and it's sugar-free. With one stick of hydrate mix into 16 ounces of water, and it can provide the same amount of hydration equal to drinking two to three bottles of water. Thank you. This way I can keep my resolution, keep feeling strong, have greater focus, feel refreshed, and maintain my hydration without having to drink as much. One of my favorite refreshing water enhancers they have is the lemonade flavor. It gives me energy. This one's also sugar-free. It's used with real lemons and it's pH balanced. And this also offers the same hydration as two to three bottles of water. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code CHALLENGED and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 for your first order. 
with so many sample packs, new products. It's really fun and easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products that you know you'll use and will help you keep your resolution. So go to 310nutrition.com and use the code CHALLENGED right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310-nutrition.com and use code CHALLENGED. It's all the good stuff your body needs in flavors you crave. So be healthier effortlessly. And we're back. I do want to go back to the first summit meeting. And if you could explain to our listeners what your original concept was in bringing these great minds together and how you pulled it off. Like, was there a moment where you're like, oh, my gosh, this might not come together because what it's grown into now um, and how many people seek out to go into summit series that are now all over the world, land and sea, it, it really just started with this first meetup. So if you could just kind of introduce our listeners to what your original concept was in, in, in the original summit. Yeah, the original idea was simple. Whatever you're doing, it can often feel like you're an island with no elevation and you know there's other islands out there, but you can't see them like the 10,000 islands in Florida. And so you know there's other islands, but you just can't see them. And you can apply this to anything, like you're writing your first book, and you, you, you know there's other authors, but you don't know any. You're a new parent, you know all these people have kids, but you just, it's hard, it's actually hard to meet new, it can be hard to meet new parents. And it's the same with being an entrepreneur. Like when I started this business in college, I did not know any other entrepreneurs. I really felt like an island and by myself, in fact, so by myself that the only way for me to meet people was to literally cold call people that I didn't know. And so, you know, I would read Inc. Magazine or Entrepreneur, and I would see these little articles on young folks. And so I just cold called them. And the idea was, you know, I just said, hey, you know, my name's Elliot. I have a, a little business that I started. We have an email newsletter. I'm just trying to meet other entrepreneurs so we can trade ideas. And I said, you know, for me, I've always thought, you know, a rising tide lifts all ships. You know, same concept, like if you have a candle and you use the light from a candle to light another candle, now you have two candles, you're not extinguishing the light from the first candle. Like the more that you can give, the better, because, you know, basically nobody in the world is actually your competitor, right? And so I said, wow, what if we all get together and we all just kind of trade ideas and we really start to build a community? And it really resonated because, you know, these folks had never been to other events. They'd never been to other gatherings. They'd never been invited. This was in 2008. And there was a real, you know, there was a real boom after the iPhone launch that anybody could begin building anything they wanted because now people had a phone and you could build these quick businesses. And today, you know, anybody can, you know, set up a, a Shopify store to sell anything, right? Or have a square reader. And, but that was not the case, you know, 10 years ago. And so as those technologies came forward, you know, the fact that anybody could have an Etsy store, like it was mind blowing, like that was not the case 15 years ago. Like if you had amazing handmade products, how do you sell them? So when, when the iPhone launched, it basically enabled as a platform, all these possibilities, which today have just 
you know, extrapolated forward and forward and forward. And there's, you, you can really create anything. And so this was this new generation of, you know, you could call them entrepreneurs or makers or creatives. But for me, the idea was, I just want to meet people that wake up every day and there's a thing they want to do in the world or put out. It's a, it's a nonprofit they want to run. It's a, a story they want to tell. And I, I really would love to meet those people and share ideas with those people. And so the first summit ever was 19 people and it was in Utah. And I, I enticed everyone to come by saying I would pay for it and I would fly them out first class. And I thought, you know, once I have folks committed, then maybe I can get some sponsors who would cover the cost of the event. So I got a, a real estate firm, a brokerage firm that thought maybe they could, you know, lease them office space. And I got a venture capital fund to throw in a little bit of money. You know, maybe they could meet some people that they would invest in later on down the road. But that was the first, that was the first summit event ever, just 19 people in a rented house, all sharing rooms. And who's on that guest list? Who's on the guest list of 19 people? Any names that we would know? Yeah, the first one ever, I mean, the most well-known names were, you know, the founders of Vimeo, uh, Ricky Van Veen and Josh Abramson, and, you know, Blake, who started Tom Shoes. Those were kind of the well-known ones. And then the six months later, I did another trip with 60 people. And then after that, another trip with 120 people. And so, you know, the first thing was just building trust with the group and, you know, then asking everyone, hey, are there a couple of people you think would like to come? And so from 19, we went to 60, from 60 to 120, from 120 to 250. And, you know, as I built trust, people started, you know, rather than saying, you know, here's my scrappy entrepreneur friend, they might say, here's a really impressive person who would like to come. And so we were able to continue increasing the level of the people who came. And, you know, along this time, it wasn't smooth. Like, you know, we, I barely had money for the first trip and I didn't know how to plan it. You know, people were, you know, would arrive to this, you know, all expenses paid trip. And it turned out they were sharing rooms because that's the only way I could make it. Uh, all expenses paid and say, wait, there has to be a mistake. Someone else's luggage is in my room. And I'd say, no, 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 no. It's going to be great. You're going to love meeting this person. Like, I don't want to meet somebody. It's part of the experience. It's part of the community <laughs> building experience. This is summer camp. They say, yeah. I don't want summer camp. I said, so, I'm so sorry. You're already at the trivia. And then there were lots of, you know, pitfalls. And, you know, I blew, I ba- I blew up the entire community after the second event. Because I, I I needed to sell tickets because we couldn't afford to do free events. So the first two events, they were free because they were small and I had sponsors. But for the third event, we needed to sell tickets. But instead of, you know, sending a thoughtful email communication or just calling the 60 people, which wouldn't take that long, you know, and we all receive updates from, you know, brands we love explaining why, why they are changing their, you know, costs the price and they explain it thoughtfully. I didn't do that. And I just sent out an email announcing that I was charging for tickets. And so like after the second event, I basically blew up the entire community. Everyone was living. We didn't tell us you're just charging. I just introduced you to my best friends. Now you're selling them tickets. That's, you know, that's not what I thought this was about. So the whole, the whole journey was just, you know, ups and downs. But I think at the end, like the best part was our team you know, that like light, you know, business is hard. And when you have people that you love that you're standing shoulder to shoulder with, it makes it really fun. And it it helps you as well to get through the hard parts. Yeah, I, um, I definitely want 
to ask if you'd be willing to share uh, the story about the event that you put together for the White House. It was around that time you were everyone was pretty frustrated by the choice of charging for tickets and kind of restructuring the event as they knew it. And uh, But then you have this incredible opportunity that kind of got you back in the good graces, uh, which which is also so many of uh, the stories and interviews that I've read from you is you kind of find yourself in in, in situations that you didn't really anticipate to be and you, and you just keep the ball rolling and you somehow make it work out in your favor. So could you share how you ended up putting together an event for Obama and the White House uh, back then? Yeah. Well, I have never really received any people just reaching out to me with great opportunities in my life. I mean, this is just not something personally that's really happened where somebody just wrote me an email or called me and said, Elliot, I want to hands you this silver platter with this amazing thing uh, <laughs> that still hasn't happened. I'm still waiting for it. And, you know, I think like most of us realize, you know, if you want, you know, the things that you want to create, you have to build them. The opportunities, as uncomfortable as it can be, you have to thoughtfully maneuver to make them happen. And, you know, I really, I personally really don't like selling. I really don't like pitching. I just feel awkward. I feel uncomfortable, you know, but you can't, you know, we always say, you know, an opportunity, it's kind of like they don't present themselves. You kind of have to take them like an interception in football. And then we also believe like opportunities can come from anywhere. So you should basically, you know, have your eyes open, looking around at what could be an opportunity, because it truly can come from, you know, somebody, you know, you literally run into at a restaurant or someone who's at a dinner or someone you overhear, wow, my friend's friends with that person. Well, maybe they could help me do this or, you know, and again, it's it's a fine line because you don't want to be the person who's always, you know, grabbing and taking, you know, you want to balance it thoughtfully and you want to make sure that, you know, when you're asking for something, there's a benefit to that person. But, you know, my mom, we, I grew up in Washington, D.C. They've had the same, my parents have had the same house for 40 years. And she was at this, you know, little local event in Washington, D.C. after Obama was elected. And at the event, she bumped into somebody named Yossi Sergant, who, you know, was a creative and artist from the West Coast who had commissioned Shepard Ferry to create the Hope Campaign, the, the posters and pins. And, you know, after she met him, she called me and she said, you know, Elliot, I think you'd really like this Yossi guy. You should meet him. And at the, and I happened to be in D.C. at the time. And that's, you know, kind of a typical potential opportunity, potential miss, right? I could have just said, no, I don't see what I, what this person has to do with what I'm doing or what would I, I could have said, I, I sure I'll meet him, but what would I ever do with him? But I ended up, I, I drove over, I went to the event and I met Yossi and I said, so what are you working on at the White House? And he said, oh, this and this and this. And also, you know, I really need to get, you know, young entrepreneurs to the White House to meet the administration. You know, they really want to engage with this, you know, new generation of entrepreneurs. And I don't even think he knew what I did, you know, and, he, and, and so, you know, I said to him, well, you know, I've been building this community of entrepreneurs you know, I think that's something that, you know, uh, we could do, you know, if you'd like, like you have this dilemma, you, you're trying to get entrepreneurs to the White House, you know, we could help you. And, you know, of course, on our end, like, you know, you know, this takes time and it, it takes, you know, we're not going to get paid. But it was the kind of thing I thought, you know, this could be really interesting to now have a an opportunity with the White House. It, it reminds me of like, you know, trying to get a, a 
trying to get hired for a job versus reaching out and saying, look, I'll do it for free as an internship, right? That's like the idea. You can break in when you offer something for free. So I didn't say to Yossi, hey, here's our cost. We're going to charge you this amount. I just said, look, if you need it, we'll we'll do it. And um, so he said, great. Well, you know, I'll let you know. And, you know, I, I, you know, I went, I flew back to where my other Summit co-founders were. And a few days later, Yossi called and he said, listen, we have the event. It's on the books. And this was on a Friday, you know, night he called me. He said, we have the event. It's on the books, you know, for next Friday. And I said, what do you mean? It's in a week? He said, not, he said, not only is it in a week, but I need everybody's names, dates of <laughs> birth, and yes. social security numbers by, you know, <laughs> Tuesday at noon. And he said, this is insane. He said, listen, when the White House calls, you answer, you know, something, something like that. And so... You know, I think the, the takeaway is just, you know, keep your eyes open for collaborations, for opportunities. You know, these aren't, you know, people that you can sell things on. It's just people that could be your friends, people you could partner with. By the way, we always say life is a giving competition and we intend to win. You know, unselfishly is the most selfish thing you can do. But, you know, keeping your eyes open for how can you help someone? How can you give to people? You know, what are people doing that could be a good collaboration, you know, with you? And so we've been trying to do that for a long time. Hey, guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com. And we're back. What are some of the most compelling attendees you've had that you feel like have contributed not only to your own personal success, but that you've been able to in turn give back and contribute to theirs? The people that I personally love are people that are present, dropped in and engaged. And I'm sure we can all relate to being around, you know, you finally meet a hero of yours and they don't have any time for you. But every now and then, maybe you have met a hero and there's just an energy about them. You can just, wow, they're like 
staring right into my eyes. They're like looking into my soul. They're they're listening to me. They actually really care because their their follow up questions are deep. They actually offer to help with things. And then you you meet people who you know aren't well known, but you just think, wow, like this person is really kind or generous. And so I think for me, the thing I've always been most intrigued by and connected to are really, really nice people and thoughtful people and present people. And I think the people who have had the biggest impact on me at Summit events were people who were able to shift my view of the world 180 degrees. Like when I met my wife 10 years ago, I threw some trash in the trash can. Like I was, I was, uh, I was throwing some stuff away, and she's like, uh, "You know where that goes, right?" And I was like, "Yeah, they they take it away." And she's like, "Where's away?" I was like, "You know, I, I don't know the dump." And she, and she's like, "And then what happens?" I'm like, "I don't know. I mean, it's away." She's like, "But you know, it never like leaves the planet, you know." And you know, ten years ago, like I had never been educated on the environment, you know. I you know I had never been educated on healthy food. I had never grown my own food. You know, I don't think I was a very good listener. And so in general, I think the people that I've connected with at events are people who, whether it's I'm listening to them speaking, or I'm just seeing how they interact with people. And I'm, you know, basically having my mind flipped around. And so like, you know, to answer your specific question, at the second event, you know, I was 22 years old, there were 60 people, and I had three speakers that I booked. One was Blake Mykoski from Tom Shoes, one was Scott Harrison from Charity Water, and one was Tim Ferriss from the 4-Hour Workweek. And each of those people flipped my perspective on the world 180 degrees. So I never knew that you could have a business where the goal was not to make money. Like that's just not how I grew up. And seeing that Tom Shoes had a business where the whole purpose of the business was that every time they sold a pair, they were giving a pair. Listening to Scott Harrison, that instead of starting a business, he started a charity because he realized like what fulfilled him the most was giving and helping. And then hearing, you know, from in the four hour work week that actually, you know, the purpose of life isn't to save up and not have a great life and work as hard as you can to retire one day if you're lucky, but it's to start living right now. And I think those are the kinds of, you know, we we have this quote, uh, when you know how to listen, everyone is a guru, you know, and when you're not open to listening, nobody, you know, then you think you know it all. And so I think, like, we've had a really open mind for a long time, and just awareness that, you know, we're on this kind of learning safari, if you will. And anyone listening right now is able to partake in these learning safaris. You you are able to go to a, a summit meeting and hear from these great thinkers and speakers, correct? Yeah, you can just go to summit.co. We put on events all over the world. We also have something called Summit Junto, which we pair people in groups of seven for nine, and they get together with seven people who are at their kind of like in their, you know, same place in terms of their entrepreneurial journey, we call like, say, like leveled, right? So we're, we basically build people their own peer group slash advisory board, and they meet with them every 90 minutes once a month. And then, you know, we spent the last couple of years writing a book, Make No Small Plans to tell, you know, our, our story, but everything's just at summit.co. 
And I love that title, Make No Small Plans. I Is that something that you and your business partners said from day one? Is that something that you guys discovered along the way? It's something we discovered along the way. We had, uh, when we did our first event, Summit at Sea in 2011, we had this idea, you know, everybody does <laughs> events on land. What if we charter an entire ship? You know, we could really do something different. You know, even if some people won't get on because it's a cruise or, you know, Again, other this people. Is 2011 <laughs> before 2011. COVID, before all of <laughs> You know, we said, wow, this could really be different. And so we actually, we made this huge deposit and we took over the ship. And the idea was, you know, we could change all the music on the ship. And we ended up booking the Roots as our house band. We could, you know, have incredible content on the ship. We could redo the menus. And our team created this huge banner. It must, you know, like 100 by 100 feet. And on the banner, it said, make no small plans. And we, when everyone arrived to the ship, including us, we all looked up and we saw this banner, make no small plans. And so it's really stuck with us. And I think, you know, everybody, everybody over the last, you know, 10 years has had their own interpretation of what that means. You know, I think for me, it's just about making, don't make small plans with your, with your life, whatever, whatever that is. You know, I, I'm not, you know, at this point, you know, some crazy risk taker. And, you know, for me, make no small plans doesn't mean I should climb Mount Everest. You know, what it means is, you know, if I have something I want to do, that it that it's okay, it's okay to do it. And you have so many practices that you have adopted in your life that um, directly relates to how you do business and, and how you work with people. You know, the fact that when you don't like to take meetings in offices, you're not a big, uh, you don't call or text, you know, you're like an on the go person. Can you share where some some of these practices that you still enjoy today and kind of the roots of where they came from? Yeah, I mean, the best ones are... Because I love a walk and talk too. I heard I, when you were talking, I, I'm a big, I love so going good. on a walk and just <laughs> okay. like talking it out. But not a lot of people do that. So you, the, And I would be nervous to just take a meeting, you know, ask someone I meant to meet with to go on an adventure in the city. But it seems like you are not nervous to do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll just rattle off a bunch. I only do video calls like FaceTime, WhatsApp video. And if somebody doesn't call me on video, I decline the call uh, like 100% of the time. And I just I just feel like it's so magical that you can see people. I, I, I still can't believe it. Like if someone said this to us 15 years ago, you can just do instant video calls with anybody. And so it's actually become a thing within my friend group that like we're always just video calling each other and just popping up. And I just you know, so many of our friends live in different places and it's such a great way to connect with them. I have a good meditation practice, although it like really fell off after having a kid. But I think, you know, meditation was one of the things that profoundly changed my life 10 years ago. I, I did transcendental meditation, but, you know, I was just, you know, that took me from being overly exuberant, not being a good listener, being a bit frenetic, and I would say not being grounded. So like if you met me 10 years ago, I was kind of me, but those characteristics, impatient, little spazzy, and the meditation definitely rewired my brain. And that kind of just like grounded and centered everything. I have a yoga mat in the middle of my living room. And I just, you know, I always joke that I do like this kind of schmoozy late night yin yoga. Like as my kids, you know, he gets to do like quiet play before bed. And I just like go on my yoga mat and just like, stretch and pigeon pose or, you know, like reclining hero or whatever. So that that's been really good. Just like, you know, adding some calm into my life. And then I read a lot, creating practices are based on 
personality types. And so everybody, since we're all unique individuals, I kind of compare people to books. Like there's no two books that are the same. There's people that are similar, but they're, everyone's unique. And so therefore everyone should create their own unique program. Like what works for one successful person, like definitely won't work for someone else. And so having that awareness to create your own program, I think is really important. So like, I really like reading. And for me, like, you know, because life is very go, go, go. Like I definitely make a big effort to kind of shut things down at the end of the day. I mean, obviously I turn my phone off at night, but, you know, just starting to read in the evening, do some yin yoga. You know, I try to, you know, not eat too late. Yeah, those are probably my my main practices. I I wake up 100% of days with my kid when my kid wakes up and I spend two hours with him like that or 90 minutes, that's definitely one in the last three years that I that I do. It's nice to hear uh, you talk about being a parent so much, because I think that that is it, it does change everything. It changes the way that you, you know, approach work, the your ability to especially in those early years, and you're running low on sleep, you know, your brain is not functioning the same way that it normally would. So it's actually uh, been really nice to hear you talk about uh, the challenges that have come with wanting to maintain a certain level of success and creativity while also struggling to do that with having a child because I can relate to that (laughs) deeply. (laughs) And I think a lot of people listening can. What, you know, obviously the entire world has changed in the last two years. You know, what, how have you seen entrepreneurship change in in, in these kind of post-COVID, in the middle of COVID times? Well, I think everyone has had to adapt their business to the new times that we're in, whatever business you're in. I mean, some people were very lucky to be in, you know, businesses that were accelerated by COVID and other people were very unlucky. There was this, you know, interesting, you know, quirky website that got built during, during the pandemic that showed, you know, like yoga studios had to close down, but yoga mat sales were up like a thousand percent you know, or gyms closed down, but pull-up bars, you couldn't even, you know, buy one. Or, you know, it was like anything in the kind of beauty space, like didn't, like like uh, sales plummeted because nobody was going out, but then anything in the wellness space went up, right? And so it was purely just based on luck and unluck coming out of, you know, the last two years, you know, everybody's ha- had to evolve looking forward because also a lot of trends changed, you know, like my, uh, my 70 year old uncle who, you know, isn't very tech savvy now has Spotify and Netflix and, you know, you know, or, you know, orders Uber Eats. And so I think a lot of, you know, and is more comfortable ordering, you know, things online from, from websites versus going to a store. So I think, you know, everybody's just had to evolve and, um, and also, I think, you know, us as humans have, have changed, right? Like we've, we've changed our priorities. I think so many of us have realized like, you know, wow, how much we value the outdoors now, you know, like nothing will make you value space and freedom and time, like, you know, feeling and, and literally, you know, being, you know, trapped indoors. And, uh, and so I think just having that awareness of how people are, have changed and what things they, they really enjoy, like just an interesting statistic about us, like we had to you know, pause our event business the last two years. But on the flip side, we own a ski resort called Powder Mountain. And the tickets, you know, that would take months to sell out, like literally sold out all the season passes in like two minutes. You know, so it's just just different, different values. While people couldn't gather, 
at events, suddenly everybody wanted to, you know, go skiing. And, you know, that didn't, you know, during the pandemic, it was the perfect social distance sport. But coming out of the pandemic, what happened is a whole new group of people realized, wow, we really love skiing. We really love mountain biking. We really love, you know, hiking. Those people who started, you know, going running during the pandemic, they didn't just stop now that it ended. Mm hmm. We have a lot of younger listeners on our podcast who are on the brink of making these big decisions, a lot of them career decisions, and that can define the trajectory of your life. What advice would you have given yourself at the time when you were deciding to start Summit? And what advice do you have for them now having all the experience that you have? Well, I definitely recommend talking to lots of people about your decisions. I'm I'm like a big believer in not, you know, going by yourself to a room and closing the door and thinking you're going to come out with the big idea that you're going to present to everybody. And, you know, I think that, you know, you should approach decision making without any, you know, they say with no cherished outcome, right? Like you just share what you're thinking about, like, hey, I'm thinking of dropping out of college for these reasons. I'm thinking of investing, you know, this, these savings I have into this business, what do you think? And what I found is when you share with thoughtful people, they help you workshop your ideas. I mean, I think what's challenging about being an entrepreneur, again, like a parent, is at the end of the day, you can get all the ideas, but you still have to make your decisions, right? And so that will never change that you'll still, you know, at some point you collect enough information and, you know, data, if you will, and then you just have to decide. And it turns out that most decision, there, there is not a right or wrong answer. There's kind of this big gray area. Like, should I be sending my kid to school every day now that he's three? Or can he do daycare? Is that, you know, you know should, I, should he be speaking a foreign language or not, right? And so I can ask all the people and I can get a lot of inputs, but ultimately like as the entrepreneur, and I, I think again, uh, we use the word entrepreneur, right? That's the entrepreneur inside of an organization, like the, the entrepreneurial mindset within all of us. And that's again, why I think being a parent is like the ultimate entrepreneur, because like everything you're doing is on the fly, quick decision-making and like really high stakes decision-making, like all the decisions about my kid are way higher stakes than my, you know, silly startup decisions. So Collect inputs and then, you know, take your time to collect inputs. I, I find just so many people, for whatever reason, they don't, they don't ask, they don't like to ask around. Well, I think sometimes people can be intimidated, like, by sound or, or just honestly, what I would say is I would feel... I feel dumb sometimes if I don't have I feel like, well, this is probably a, a dumb question or they're going to think I am not educated in my field. And so I think that that's why a lot of people don't share their ideas because they're worried of rejection or that they're going to be told that's a terrible idea. And that if they ask too many questions, they're just not going to seem like they have it together. And in, in so many of the stories that I listen to you tell in other interviews, how much the kind of the repetition of how much just showing up is kind of like step one. And, you know, when Kayla and I, when we started this podcast, it's kind of a lot of these things that you're describing. You know, we, we shared ideas with each other. We shared ideas with other people. We didn't really know what we were doing and we had to we figured it out along the way. We got good at asking questions. Uh, Melissa, our producer who is on with us now, gets most of the questions asked all the time more and. <laughs> <laughs> They're repeated a lot of the time. But could you share with our listeners like what what the importance is of just showing up and, and, and trusting that you're you'll you'll get in even if that I love the uh, I know you said 
was based off of a book, uh, but the third door guy entrance, like even if you don't get in the main entrance or the second entrance, there's always a third entrance that you can kind of figure out if you uh, just show up and, and try to work your angles enough. Yeah, I uh, I love the concept of of living an exponential life instead of a linear life. You know, a linear life is where you just follow the the cards that you've been dealt, whatever those may be, and you you kind of go through the system, right? And the system involves you know climbing you know rungs in the corporate ladder, and you know generally not taking any risks. And what it turns out, and this is you know it's it's. It's nerve-wracking to hear it, but that taking no risks and climbing that corporate ladder is unfortunately actually risky in and of itself, right? Because, um, you know, like average wages aren't increasing as quickly as inflation. Like that's really problematic or certainly not as fast as house prices. So like you do everything right, um, but it always feels like things are many steps ahead of you. And so, you know, for me, like the way I've thought of living an exponential life is how could you skip steps? You know, what are ways that, you know, in a, you know, and and again, maybe it's I want to open a restaurant, but I don't know anything about food. Well, I might have to spend like 10 years or five years working at a restaurant. Well, what if I found someone who is a chef, we could partner and go 50-50 and then just open a restaurant you know, in this, in the next few months, because they know about food, right? That allows you to, to skip steps and not have to, you know, climb this, you know, metaphorical ladder. And so, you know, I think, you know, the third, the third door framework that, that you talked about is, is really simple that, you know, basically everywhere in life, there's like a main entrance and that main entrance, you know, is applying to a job by, you know, filling out the typical forms and going through the main door, right? Then there's a second door. That's for people who have connections. You know, it's like, you know, it's just like applying to college the normal way. Or the second door is, you know, your parents donate a library or your parents know the CEO of the company and they lob in a phone call. So like the first door is like you follow everybody. The second door is like, you know, you're one in a 10,000 and you have all these connections. But there's always a third door, right? And the third door is, you know, when you do something that basically gets you noticed, right? You know, it could be, you know, the the joke in this book is that the third door is like, you can't get into the nightclub. So you like run across the street, run down the alley, jump in a trash bin and like climbing through, you know, the window of the kitchen. (laughs) But you can apply it to anything, right? I'll always see these, you know, creative young people and they can't get a job. So, you know, they make some huge you know, job application with their photo on it. And it's got, you know, a barcode that you can scan to see their resume. And they'll like send it to the, you know, the president of the company. And they're like, wow, this is the craziest job application we ever got. We have to interview this person, right? And so I think that concept of, you know, taking a quirky approach to things, you know, can, you know, can make things happen you otherwise wouldn't be able to. Well, you sure made a lot of things happen in your career so far. And uh, very excited that the Summit Series are, are kicking back. There's some coming up this fall and and you have your book, Make No Small Plans with your business partners. And where can our listeners follow you? I know you just said you're not on social media, but are you still checking in anywhere? Yeah. Or Summit on social media? On social yeah, media. Yeah, just we're, we're, yeah, we're just Summit on all the social media 
platforms. Yeah, you can buy the book, Make No Small Plans. The book is is a, is a five-year story from when I was basically 21 to 26, like the craziest five years of our life, from when I had zero connections, zero resources, didn't know anybody, to the day that we bought a ski resort and kind of like what what happened in those five years. Are you a skier or a snowboarder? That says a lot about a person. Yes. I'm a skier. Skier. (laughs) But I really like the summer, actually. I'm kind of a summer person. And it turns out all the ski towns are are really fun in the summer. You can jump in the lakes and the rivers and, you know, go running outside and, you know, have the doors open and the windows and hear the crickets. So I think I'm I'm, I'm like very (laughs) much a summer person. Who just happens to own a ski mountain. So that works out perfect. (laughs) Own a ski resort. Cool. (laughs) Elliot Bisnow, thank you so much for joining us. We thoroughly enjoyed all your advice. And um, for all of our listeners, make sure you buy the book and check out Summit Series online. We've just really enjoyed having you today, Elliot. Thank you. Thank you. This is really fun. So I guess now I'm just going to have a yoga mat in the middle of my living room and that'll be my (laughs) wind down. (laughs) I just love how many cold calls he made in the early days like that. And there is just, yeah, it it taking away just how fearless, how you can be. Yeah, fearless and being bold can and can really just get the ball rolling and, and kind of letting go of that fear sometimes. How fearless Elliot is and truly has just continued to grow his company and have a mindset of we can do this. So let's just do the best we can at all times. And his energy level, his his there's a I see why people say yes to him because there's a charisma and an energy level and a in the wherewithal to know that you surround yourself with peers who are just as excited to start new big ideas. And that's I think we can get caught up so much of like, well, I need to be, you know, in that big corner office where all of like the bosses are, as opposed to like in the bunkers with everyone who is getting all the really fresh new ideas together and 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 having that be okay. And and so, yeah, honestly, listening to him speak and even just kind of reading up more on him, you know, in this past week has just been incredibly inspiring about, you know, how much you can get done when you surround yourself with just really great creative people. And ultimately, no one is your competition that you can all come up together, which is such a lovely way to live. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Directionally Challenged. We have another great one coming for you next week. We'll see you then. Directionally Challenged is a production of Pineapple Productions. Produced by Melissa D. Montz. Edited by Diane King. Post-production sound by Chris Henry. Music by Joe King. And advertising partnership with Acast. Mm-hmm.